So anybody who wants to be a critic, just go for it. Don't let anybody determine your capabilities just based on your complexions or, or based on your surname or based on where you come from. Your perspective, your lens, your experience is certainly valid. Not going to be easy. That's I'm going to be completely honest, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible either. You do have a lot of bigger people out there doing it, working on it. And we, we have a long way to go, but we're certainly on the right path. So don't feel discouraged by <laughs> by the fact that it's going to be a bit more difficult for us. In fact, I use it as a motivator mm -hmm. just continue going. Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women who are living their dreams and paving the path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez Jaimes, and this is Ellas. Before we begin, I want to share with you that Ellas was recently featured in the Mujerista. We were included in an amazing curated list along some of my favorite Latinx podcasts. Ellas is ranked at number nine, and you can check that list linked in the show notes of this episode. Let's continue amplifying Latina voices. With that said, let's begin. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. I'm your host, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Thank you once again for listening to another empowering episode. Ellas is a podcast where we amplify empowering Latinas who are living their professional dream, paving the way for the next generation, creating an impact in our communities through their work. And the goal of amplifying our voices and stories on Ellas is to motivate you to continue paving your path and remind you that you're not alone in this journey. If you would like to support the show, you can buy us a cafecito at buymeacoffee.com slash where you can donate at a one-time basis starting at a dollar or more. We have set up our first goal and we're really close to reaching it. It would mean the world if you can help us get there. Of course, there are other ways to support AES, like listening to past episodes, following wherever you're listening to podcasts, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, or sharing your favorite conversation to your amiga. For episode 65, I have the honor of introducing today's guest, Rosa Parra. Rosa Parra is a Chicana Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic. She's co-founder and co-host of Latinx Lens, one of my favorite film podcasts. Latinx Lens is dedicated to highlighting Latinx representation and contribution in film and television, while also being platform for the Latina host to review all films through their Latina lens. Rosa is a member of various critics associations and is an advocate for representation, diversity, and inclusion. It is my greatest honor to welcome Rosa Parra. Hola, Rosa. Hola. Thank you so much for, for inviting me to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. Like earlier, I was saying it is my honor to have you here because for all of you who may or may not know, one of my second loves besides amplifying Latino voices is film. And I myself have a film podcast, Totally Fandom. So I actually rarely listen to film podcasts until Latin excellence began. And I discovered film posters. And I was telling Rosa that last year during the pandemic, Latin excellence and film posters was just a light to my life. Because for Latin Excellence, not only a space where there's Latino representation in film and television, and we're going to go deep into that, but also giving critique to movies that I love to watch through their perspective. And what Rosa, what you're doing right now, Rosa, is so important, so necessary because we need more perspectives like yours 
and like others and not only from white men in this industry and you are creating waves you are inspiring me and i imagine you're inspiring so many others to just go after that because you are amazing so it's just an honor it's a privilege to have you here and just share your amazing story because you are an example of it's never too late to follow your dreams and to not give a shit about what others think of you and just going after it so thank you oh my god thank you <laughs> I, i'm not very i'm not uh, very not comfortable but i'm not <laughs> i'm not good with taking compliments so it, it's very uh, thank you so much for, for your kind words it, it really does mean a lot to me and i'm glad i'm glad people are listening to the podcast i'm glad that it i'm glad that people can listen to whether you want to see uh, say film criticism or film reviewing through a different perspective like you said that Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily white men which tends to be 70 percent of rotten tomato approved critics (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so the fact that i was able to get in there and the fact that i've been able to to do all this it's truly it's been hard work but at Mm -hmm. the same time it's so rewarding and it's so amazing how far we've come because we, we never thought, Catherine and I never thought that the podcast would be where it's at now mm-hmm. um, and that people would actually be listening to us. Right? And when we did our first episode, we mentioned it in, in our uh, second episode, which is for uh, Edward James Olmos. Mm-hmm. We, I guess we underestimated our underrepresentation in media yes. and, and our voices out there. So everything that's been happening, it's been completely, it's, delightful but at the same time it's very unexpected we didn't think we were gonna be where we're at now and I'm glad I'm glad to hear that it's inspiring people that that, that's one of the purposes but it's also there for for Catherine and I we've grown and we've learned so Mm -hmm. much doing the podcast and it's been fun it's been a ride it's been thrilling and it's I can't wait where where we head on next so no thank you for for your words and thank you for your for what you're doing for bringing me on to your podcast and um, helping us amplify our podcast our voices and our thoughts and film because oh man film storytelling quite powerful it's quite powerful yes and 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 to come to this with our own unique perspectives and experiences is certainly something that we it's worth talking about but also something we need to amplify more so thank you for everything you're doing (laughs) thank you seriously it it means the world your your words as well and you know before going into my same question that I ask all my guests, I really want to add that it's so true what you said, you know, I think specifically talking to us Latinas, Latinx, we are so hungry for representation, not only, you know, in traditional media, film, television, and any form of storytelling. And we, and I feel like this generation now, it's just, we have the tools to give that representation back. And when we're, we're creating these spaces, we start thinking like, oh, well, maybe a couple of people will listen to this. And then when you realize the impact and the response, you're like, oh, it's not only me. Of course, it's not only me. You know, it's like, just be, just like the way I'm hungry for representation and to hearing people like me or from the same community have different upbringings and journeys are also hungry for this. And you realize this is larger than than me and it gives you that drive to continue doing the work right and it's just we're, we're getting we're gonna get into that because seriously latinx lens is such listen to it go and follow it subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts because it is a testament of film criticism today 
and for the future generations, they'll have this to come back and really not depend on those two pages of Latino representation and contribution to the film industry and the television industry. It's giving more than those two pages. So Rosa, you know, behind all of this, behind these passions of film criticism, film and achieving and providing us representation, I want to know who is Rosa behind all of this? Ooh, where do we start? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Rosa is... First of all, I think I'm a mother <laughs> before anything else. I'm a mother of four girls to top it off. I, and, and I think being a mother of four girls, four brown Latinas, four brown Chicanas, is definitely another push to doing everything I'm doing mm -hmm. at the moment. And I'm a mother. I've been married for 16 years. Oh, actually 17. Oh my God. It's <laughs> been, uh, yeah, 17 years. And Man, Rosa is just a, a, a person that she is a science uh, lover. She's, she's been always intrigued by the medical field uh, at the moment. I mean, I work in, at Cedar sinai Medical Center I, as an electromicroscopist, a specialist uh, laboratory uh, technician. And that's, that's my first love, um, science, mm -hmm. medicine. What I'm doing with Latinx is what I do with film and film criticism. That's just a side thing. It's, it's a hobby. It's not my primary source of income and it's not my first job. So everything I'm doing with that, it's on the side, to be honest, but it's mainly science, mainly the medical field. And yeah, I've been working at Cedars for a few years now, still going to school, doing on, uh, online. I'm getting working towards my film degree. because um, Three degrees, don't forget. Three Rosa. degrees, yes. Film degree, I'm working on my film degree. I'm working on my biological sciences uh, degree. And I'm also working on a Chicana Chicano studies. Because apparently you have to get a damn degree and, and take electives to learn about our own history. Mm talk about privilege right yeah. so yeah and it's I always stay busy <laughs> <laughs> if you have not noticed but oh you know what uh, at the end of the day this I'm happy I'm so mm -hmm. happy and I'm so satisfied with everything I'm doing whether I get a few hours of sleep a day I go to sleep exhausted pero contenta with everything mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I'm learning everything I'm, I'm doing in in terms of raising my girls and I'm very conscious that every decision I make there's there's a reason behind it and the primary reason in my case is being an example for them and telling them yeah I know it does not matter how old you are I'm in the mid-30s I'm still going to school you can still learn you're still going to learn whether you're okay. 50 60 it does not matter how old you are how old you get but yeah, everything I'm doing is to be an example to them, but at the same time, I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it to grow. I'm doing it to learn, but to be more, I can say cultured, but most importantly, well-rounded when yes. it comes to a variety of topics, whether it's film criticism or it's medical, and it could not be more fitting right now with the pandemic that's going mm -hmm. on. <laughs> it's, it's been these past couple of, been what, two years almost with the pandemic? It's been a bit frustrating and, and infuriating to see all the misinformation, to see yeah. everything that's been going on, particularly online mm -hmm. uh, with social media. And it's that said can be a bit frustrating alongside with po politics. But um, aside from that, I, I can 
genuinely tell you that I'm happy uh, as I'm sitting yes. here right now I'm happy if I were to die right now um, I die a happy woman so yeah that's just a little bit <laughs> of background of me you know just a mother four kids I was born and raised in East LA so I am as generic as Chicanos get <laughs> no I'm not generic you're fabulous uh, <laughs> and I guess whatever little representation we've had, it, it's been through, I guess, mm-hmm. my experience, the East LA experience. I'm first generation Chicana. Both my parents are from Mexico. My mother's from Ensenada, Baja California. And my father's from Guadalajara, Jalisco. My husband is from Tamaulipas, so he's Mexican. Yeah, very majority of Mexican, mm-hmm. US Mexican, uh, Latino representation here. And I got a little bit of everything going on with me, but uh, happy overall. Can't complain. <laughs> And that's great because knowing that, you know, you you are juggling living through so much, but also, you know, you're basically doing what you're passionate about, which is, you know, science, film, your mom, you know, you're married, you, you, like you, everything that you do is to also inspire your daughters and to remind them, like, you can do anything. Like, look at me, right? Like if I can do it, there's no excuse for you. Like you can go after whatever you want to do, like you can do it. So it's definitely setting an example for them to be even greater, right? And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's that. That's my main, my whole main thing. But if I can be an example for more people, then that's just a plus. That's just a bonus. Right? So, yeah, yeah. And Rosa, I'm really interested yeah. then because I want to really mix these two loves that you have: it's science and film. I know that for stand and deliver with um edward james almost that film it was the first film that you felt represented in and like you have mentioned in latinx lens you are a chicana first generation so the majority for people maybe who don't see a lot of movies which i find shocking but you know the majority of representation for latinos latinx Mm-hmm. is the Chicano experience, the East LA experience. So you in this situation, when you were young and saw this movie, you're like, oh my gosh, you felt represented. And I am really curious, is that the movie that really piqued your interest in film? I know it's later on, film criticism is another movie and we're going to get into that. Yeah. But like <laughs> your interest in movies, like watching them, was that the movie or was it just feeling represented? Mm-hmm. Stand and Deliver was more of a movie that motivated me to continue pursuing my career in science. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, for you to be a science, you have to have a good high level of math on, under your belt. And the fact that the movie talks a lot about calculus and, and all that mm-hmm. good stuff, that movie was the one that certainly motivated and it helped me pass my calculus classes. Not necessarily the movie that would pique my interest to watch more movies. That would come later, way later on. Um, I, I didn't grow up being a, a cinephile or going to the movie theater often. I would go to the movie theater probably two to three times, not even a year, maybe two, three years, once a year, if that, because just couldn't afford it. Uh, there wasn't a yeah. theater uh, close to us. And we had to go to a whole entire different city because, I mean, at the time when I was growing up in East LA, there was no theaters in East LA. You would have to go to either Montebello or City of Commerce or um, areas that were more of a higher income kind of cities mm-hmm. where theaters were much more accessible for us there. 
Uh, but other than that, no, uh, Stand and Deliver will not spark that interest, but it is responsible for me staying in my science career, for me being a lab technician. I was a pharmacy technician for mm-hmm. a couple of years until I realized I couldn't move up higher unless I was a pharmacist, which is what I was going for, actually. Mm-hmm. I went back to school to become a pharmacist, and I got a pamphlet about this laboratory uh, technician program in a community college. I'm like, well, this is going to be much lesser than 12 years of being in school and medical school and all this. <laughs> so time-wise, I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I have kids that, that need to get fed. So yes, let's do this. And that's where I've been ever since. Where I'm currently working right now, a lot of people don't know about it. It's very much of a behind the curtains mm-hmm. kind of job profession. Not, not many people know about it. But if I would have to uh, explain it, we're pretty much the middle person between the patient and, and the doctor. So we're the nurses of the laboratory, but we're not the ones that go out to take out blood or anything like that. Those are the only lab technicians a lot of people know about. We don't deal with the patients. We don't do anything like that. But yeah, we, we do more of a behind behind the scenes kind of job. And mm-hmm. that movie certainly helped me to to get through it. I watched that movie. It's probably the movie I've seen the most. Mm-hmm. In my entire life, I attended Garfield High School. I knew about Jaime Escalante. Mm-hmm. So it has that connection with me. And yeah, that was the first time I ever saw myself represented in film. And yeah, while taking calculus, I'd watch it probably three, four times a week. And it helped me. It helped yeah. me. I passed my classes and here I am. But no, it, it sadly wouldn't be the one that would spark my interest in, mm-hmm. in watching films. But it's very much responsible for my other love, which is science. That's so interesting. I love that because in a way, film really motivated you and pushed you to continue for your first love. And later on, film became your second love, which is currently what you're doing on the side. And it's, it's so interesting how these passions throughout your journey appear when it's like when you need them but they're fully on focus when you're finally prepared. And I think the movie that really sparked that interest in film criticism and that basically what got you here today is Wonder Woman. Yeah. 2017, directed by Patty Jenkins. And I want to ask the specific scene because for me, I felt empowered because I feel like for many women, when we saw that movie and for many young girls, was the no man's land scene. Was that for you too? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Iconic. Iconic <laughs> scene. Like yes. I felt so empowered. I'm so proud for being a woman. And I want to really get into your mind and like see how that, how you felt. And right. after coming out of the theater and saying, you know what? I want to give my perspective, be a film critic. Like all that, you know, mechanism that was going around your brain after yeah. seeing and during seeing Wonder Woman. Yes. So when I started working at Cedars, we we were <laughs> we were told we were allowed to use headphones just to distract, either listen to music or podcasting or, or anything, but just be discreet about it. Uh, <laughs> and just as long as we do our job. Yeah. Like okay, so now I have to like things to 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 listen to, uh, whether it's a podcast or just I don't know a music list or whatever. So yes, I started watching or listening to Collider at the time, <laughs> back when it was good. Collider, they had a program. It was like a thirty-minute show every morning, mm-hmm. like around ten or nine thirty in the morning, and it was called Movie Talk. So all they did was just talk about movies and they talked about the newly released films or if 
they had any news, any casting about the production of new uh, of films that were going to be coming out within the year or two years. And they would talk about the box office of that weekend and just go on, go on about everything that was going on within the film industry at the time. So eventually... I would get into listening to the show every single day to the point where after a few weeks, I was like, okay, this is interesting. But in order for me to keep up with these conversations, I have to go to movie theaters. I have to go watch these movies. So luckily for me, because I was able to afford it, I would within, I think it must've been like two or three months after listening to them, I started going to the movie theater on a weekly basis. Every weekend I was at the movie theater uh, watching the newly released films. And then when I would watch the shows, I was like, okay, I'm caught up now. I know what they're talking about. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not lost anymore. And then eventually it's when I start watching, when I watch uh, Wonder Woman, I start hearing them talk about how it had all this buzz. It was coming with a lot of anticipation. It was the first female directed film Mm -hmm. about the first ever female live action superhero movie and why that was such a big deal. I didn't understand it at the time, Mm -hmm. um, why it was, it was such a big deal until I started listening to these conversations and ironically within the show they only had one woman in, in the show talking about uh, the movies and everything at the time which is Perry Nemiroff who I am, I'm still talking to at the moment she's such a delightful uh, critic and someone who very much inspired me uh, to pursue film criticism because as the only woman there mm-hmm. I, I figured okay this is a man's world this is a man's industry and she's been able to go through this and listening to her talk about the movie and saying how the female gaze about the movie about a female superhero was so important definitely intrigued me and I was like okay I watched the movie I was blown away by it mm-hmm. it's certainly one of my favorite films like of all time and I knew that the same way that the importance of the female gaze while directing the movie was important it's also important to have a female perspective when it comes mm-hmm. to critiquing a film like this one. Yes. And that's when I decided, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and it's just started with an Instagram page. <laughs> they, um, one of my friends said, you should just do an Instagram page, post a picture of the movie you saw, write once we were sensitive, whether you want to recommend it or not. And just go from there. I'm like, okay, it sounds simple enough, right? <laughs> no. And I started doing that. And before I know it, I was like, okay, this is getting good. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. But that was my first exposure to mm-hmm. why we should have. Let's take a quick pause on today's inspiring conversation to share the wonderful news about our new podcasting services over at AS Media. It's time to amplify your voice through your own podcast. And here at AES Media, we help you create the impact by providing our end-to-end production services. Whether you're a leader in your industry, elevating your brand, or need to amplify your voice, our podcast production packages, one-on-one podcast manager service, effective podcast marketing services, and our podcast launch packages can help you pave your path. Don't wait any longer and start investing in your voice and head on over to aes-media.com services and book your free 15-minute discovery call with me to start amplifying your voice. Now, let's get back to the show. A representation 
behind the camera and yes. in film criticism and why I'm assuming only women should be able to review female directed films but I say that you should have that female perspective because it's different mm-hmm. it yeah. is different we, we we do view and, and have a different perspective of the world it does differ and as the years have passed by it's been far more evident how the character of Wonder Woman has been handled, particularly mm-hmm. with the Justice League um, yes. movies and how she's far more sexualized and objectified mm-hmm. when the male director's directing her compared to Patty Jenkins. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. You know, so it, it was then when I said, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to get into it. To be honest, I it sparked my interest because I wanted to give my female perspective. However, as time went by, I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this on a serious level, mm-hmm. I need to educate myself. I need that background. I need to build a foundation where I'm able to understand and I'm able to give criticism based not only on the thematics and how it made me feel, but also the filmmaking techniques, the cinematography, yes. the sound effects, the editing and all that good stuff. And that's when I decided to go back to school just to build that foundation and to have a better understanding of the process, the entire process of filmmaking, which is quite a fascinating one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was the film that sparked my interest. And yeah, I just went ahead, went for it, started going to school, began to understand the process, began to see how all of this works and little by little I just ended up falling in love with with movies and and how they're made and the power uh, that they have to even move you and just literally toy with your emotions (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's just it's something I was not expecting to to fall in love with with movies because I don't know I guess when when you're growing up you have this Mm -hmm. mindset of yes you grow up you're gonna have to pursue a career and that's all you have to do you can't do anything else but no I've come to realize you can have other things around you I can love science but I can also love movies at the same time and bring that that perspective with me which is what I've been doing as of late but yeah Wonder Woman is responsible for for me sitting here and ironically I've been called Wonder Woman many times so I guess it's kind of fitting (laughs) I love that and you are you know you are because you have like you said you are not just passionate about science you know you're not just one thing you're many things and I think that is the beauty of being a human being and also not allowing for you as a Chicana to be placed in a box and you are showing others that you are interested like you've said you've mentioned in Latinx lens you know you sometimes fall into the stereotype but it's because soccer is amazing and you love soccer but you're also really passionate about film and you love science too and it's like you can have all of these interests and it makes you rosa it's it doesn't really have to define you and put you in a box it's like it's it's you and and you're unapologetic about it. And I think going through this interest and love for film criticism and movies and really going back to school and placing that foundation for you to feel more prepared. Because like you said, like you mentioned earlier, this industry is male-dominated industry, a white male-dominated industry. So you really, like you mentioned in Latinx Lens, I really connected to the part where you said you were in the textbook and you saw, oh, Latino representation in film and television. Oh, I'm going to go. 
And because when I was in school, when I would see like anything Latino related, I would go to that section of the book and see. And then you said there were only two pages. And I felt so seen in that moment because yes, every book that I would read in school and it had Latino representation or history or anything context, it only had like a couple of paragraphs and a page, you know, you realized you, you, that shock I mean I don't feel like you realize it but there was like that shock of like reinforcement of what you already knew of the lack of representation in this industry when you started to really going full-on pursuing this seeing that two pages was like a downside but can you talk about those challenges that maybe us who are outside and maybe are love movies but are not in the industry really know about and like you've over time have overcome and in a way, I think because of them, you know, now created Latinx Lens. And it's like a, its own powerful thing. It, <laughs> I can't believe how much you actually listened to the episodes and, and done your research. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, thank you. I was like, oh my gosh, you did hear that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the information. I say page and a half. It's technically two pages, but half of the picture, it's the stereotypical Latin lover, which is Rudolf Valentino, which is Italian. Mm-hmm. And he's, it depends if, if we're categorizing Latino based on geography, he's not Latino. And we're talking about linguistics, then he might be because Italian might be considered a Latin language. And, and I think that's, oh man, I, I will never forget that day. I was taking a history, a film history course. It's literally gender and race in American film. So, you know, week four, I'm all excited and mm-hmm. all just looking forward to it because it, it was well that, that was the first red flag when we we're going to learn about three uh, demographics in one week and we we're going to learn about asian americans native americans and latino hispanics wow and time. yeah just in one week african-americans had their own week women had their own week lgbtq had their own week and they lumped the other ones all together and just to yeah you know it's a 500 page textbook mm-hmm. and I opened it I'm all excited they made us watch Coco because I guess that's as close as it gets to Latino representation and I guess that's what they want us to learn in film class and yeah I was just devastated just to read a page and a half just because a, a few weeks prior to that I had written like a 15 word article uh it was for in march for women's history month Mm -hmm. and i had written it on dolores del rio who was the first mexican um one of the first mexicans to be in hollywood she starts Mm -hmm. in the silent era and she has a fascinating career so i do an article on her my article must have been longer than this damn page and a half and my article was just on one person one person yeah and just to see, yeah, they literally just had one sentence on every James almost. I guess they, they think they gave Rita Moreno two sentences because I guess she's an Academy Award winner. Wow. And and this was film and television, just to talk about more television. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, television, are you serious? I'm like, Desi Arnaz is a pioneer of television and you just give them a sentence? I'm like, no. And it was very disappointing. And like you said, it, it's, it was reaffirming what I already knew, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it was disappointing and it was very much upsetting. But at the same time, I thank it because now I have Latinx lens because of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just randomly send out a tweet and Catherine answers and the rest is history. And here yes. we are now. It's been, it's been very 
it's been a, a learning experience doing Latinx lines because when, when, when you're asking about the obstacles, doing the podcast is not necessarily extremely difficult. But yet again, I don't do a lot of the producing. Catherine takes care of that. So that's <laughs> easier for me to say. But when I first pitched out that we were talking about, it was the starting stages of, of Latinx mm -hmm. Lens. There was a time where both of us were generally questioning, are we going to have enough content for, for the podcast? Is there going to be enough movies and directors and actors to cover or filmmakers whether they be cinematographers or composers or anything like that and we didn't think there was going to be any until we realized our own ignorance yes. in terms of how limited we were and we were just limiting everything to Hollywood so when we're talking about Hollywood Probably not. We wouldn't have a lot of things to talk about. Mm -hmm. But if we take it back and, mm -hmm. and we expand it to international, oh. there is so many riches out there mm -hmm. that, yeah, the podcast can go on for years. And just to think that all of that was just limited to a page and a half that not only is the film industry, in this case, Hollywood, responsible for conveying these certain images of us, for representing us in in such a monolithic uh, mm -hmm. pattern when we're not not only that but there now schools are literally erasing our histories from <laughs> yeah. from film history which is quite disappointing but like you said luckily we have latinx lens where we can talk about things like that and we can highlight certain directors we can highlight certain actors mm -hmm. and we've had so many plans we have so much going on because i've noticed little by little it started probably last year we've come to notice that yes latinos are beginning to come up particularly directors a lot of actors are, are coming they're up and coming and we're definitely gonna have a lot to talk about but I think we also when we said we wanted to talk about representation I wanted to go back to early Hollywood I wanted to mm -hmm. go back to the Dolores del Rio era yes. and see how she was being used at the time and how during the studio system as well with Rita Moreno or mm -hmm. an Anthony Quinn or even a Jose Ferrer who by the way Jose Ferrer and Anthony Quinn were definitely may have been <laughs> the exception when it comes to maybe stereotypes yeah. or so but let's not forget they're men so yes. it's not surprising because <laughs> uh, of course Rita Moreno everything she she has to endure and mm -hmm. everything that goes on from there but I think what was difficult for us mm -hmm. was learning about our own biases uh, yeah. about how throughout these years the media television and film have effectively shaped our viewpoints our mm -hmm. own damn community and that was fascinating for me to learn porque we i'm pretty sure you heard about this but i'm just gonna briefly reiterate it uh it, it all happened with the tax collector um <laughs> which yes it, it, it's another tolo film another mm -hmm. gangster la east la film and didn't realize I was already coming with a negative lens. I was already coming with a negative mm -hmm. perspective. Porque, yeah, um, oh, here we go again, stereotypes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then before reviewing it, I was watching Goodfellas by mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese. And I text Catherine and I asked her, I don't like this movie. It's very misogynistic. She's like, it's the culture. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we, we review the film. And we realized, hold up. So Scorsese can make films about the Irishman and Goodfellas and make all these mobster films, mm -hmm. which are fundamentally no different 
than your Cholo films, if we're thinking about it. The only difference is the location and Cholos are brown. Fundamentally, they're the same same type of films mm -hmm. in terms of genre, violence, yes, you and being territorial in to some sense. But those are glorified. Those are critically yeah. acclaimed, mm -hmm. I guess, because you have Scorsese behind it and he, too many. He's one of the best directors of all time. I will not say whether I agree with that or not, but I understand, <laughs> I, I get where they're coming from. But he makes all these films that are very misogynistic, that yeah. are very homophobic and very violent. And they get critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. And one criticism I read about the tax collector was that it was very misogynistic. Same person who said a few months behind that the, the Irishman was a masterpiece, hmm. even though it was also misogynistic. Yeah. So it's double standards, of course. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when I come to realize, I'm like, wait a minute. All these years, these films have um, successfully, I guess, like embedded in my head that yeah, we, we are only here. Everything we do is bad. It, it's one of those, I know there's this damn trend going on TikTok saying like, what's something that if poor people do, it's bad. But if a rich person oh, yeah. does, it's so cool. Yeah. Same thing with us here. If, yeah. if, if a Latino or a minority does something here, it's considered bad. But if, if, if a white rich person does it, oh my gosh, it's, it's cool. It's cool. He, yeah. And that's what was happening here. And unfortunately, we were both Catherine and myself were all were so when we realized that we were both in shock. We were like, oh my God. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is not this is not good. But luckily we were able to wake up from it and we both realized, okay, yeah. And we're gonna criticize movies and we're gonna talk about these films. We're gonna equally do it to all of them. Yeah. Uh, we can't <laughs> we can't give a pass to a Latino film or anything like that because it's just Latino. And mm -hmm. vice versa, I can't glorify mm -hmm. a movie for doing something and then criticize the same exact thing for another movie. It's exactly. not fair. It's just very inconsistent. And just to realize that was quite shocking. So in terms of obstacles, I think what's hard here is being consistent with your mm -hmm. own with your own thoughts and own opinions. And little by little, we've come to realize that growing up in a, a very uh, Latino household and even within Catherine and I she, she's at the Hannah she's in Texas mm -hmm. but she's been here for a few generations she doesn't fluently speak Spanish which is quite different from me being a first generation mm -hmm. Chicana here and within us there, there's differences but we were both brought up to be very obedient and mellow and yeah. don't speak up don't talk unless you're spoken to but no little by little we've been learning and growing and finding our own voice literally to the point where we, we won't be quiet or anything like that and I think an obstacle in this case would be realizing and coming face to face mm -hmm. with your ideas and biases yes. you had no idea you had yeah. it was just so subconscious that so that was very, very fascinating for me to learn, but at the same time to grow and find your own voice and not let yourself and, and, and kind of realize that all these cultural and traditional elements that we've been yes. growing up with, how there's times where you're, you're not going to agree. You're not going to agree with it. It's not I mean it's bad. It's mm -hmm. not for you. Um, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with going against the flow. And exactly. I think that's been a very huge obstacle for us because it's 
we, we've come to realize, yes, we do care about El Chismerio and what other people think about us when we first started. Mm-hmm. Now we don't, but it took a while for us to get that to the program because it's mm-hmm. so culturally embedded yeah. that, that it can be quite difficult, particularly when it comes to film criticism and social media. You have to build it to this tough skin, you know? Yeah. You're done. And I love, thank you, Rosa, for not only saying it on Latinx Lens, but also saying it here on Ellas about mm-hmm. that growth and, yeah. you know, shedding that biases that I believe our family, our culture, as well as society and white supremacy have been placed mm-hmm. on us, you know, and it takes us, it's a journey to shed that, but it's also a journey to be willing and open to continue shedding that and I think that's powerful and when you were saying that like yeah I also like watching movies I like I have my own biases like I remember like I don't want to you know I don't like watching uh, movies about Chicanos because you know they shed on a bad light on Mexicans and like and then you realize like wait could Phyllis is also revered and like like why would it be even considered for an Oscar but like not other movies like why why is it so different why like why are we placing so much importance on other movies and not on other movies that is focused on Latinos, Chicanos, right. you know? And it's also realizing that and that growth. And I think it's powerful that you and Kat are doing that through Latinx Lens and like in, in real time shedding that and just owning your voice and not being stuck by what others are saying. And, oh, you know, they're going to criticize me if I, you know, critique this movie that's really revered but you know or or the might it's might be hated because i do want to talk about the movie overboard yes. which is with eugenio derbez and yeah. anna ferris and i loved how you what you everything that you say i connect because you know the background of eugenio derbez who is mm-hmm. one of the most famous talented comedians in mexico you and i being first gen having our parents being born and raised in Mexico, we know the trayectoria de Eugenio Derbez, the successful career that he's had in Televisa. And then it's just amazing to see him come on over to Hollywood and producing these movies. And so we, you came watching Overboard. You were coming with this perspective, this knowledge of who Eugenio Derbez is, his type of comedy, how he does his characters. And you came out loving it. It was fun. And then you see the critics and then like completely destroying this movie without even taking the time to really know the backstory of Eugenio Derbez, to know his journey when they give that time of research for other actors. And you're like, oh, this is, that's when the moment you realize we need a different type of lens and perspective in film criticism. And you did not let you didn't allow yourself to be silent. So I want to go into that chapter of like, hey, enough is enough. We need more perspective and yeah. just reinforcing that. That was a highlight for me. Seeing Overboard, I had a blast with it. Like you said, I think because we are first generation at home, that's all I would see. I would watch Univision or I mm-hmm. would watch Televisa a lot. And I grew up watching Derbez en Cuando, Al Derecho y Al Derbez. All his, Familia Peluche, his yeah. yes, La Familia Peluche, Vecinos, which he's kind of like the executive producer of it and so on. So you do know, uh, well, I, I, I went into the movie knowing his type of comedy, like you're just mm-hmm. mentioning. So not only that, the movie, it's literally like in Spanish and in English. Mm-hmm. 
which is me. <laughs> That's all I do. I speak Spanish and I speak English. And a lot of the, the translating when it goes from, from Spanish to English does not necessarily translate effectively. And I think that was one of the issues that I found in the movie. Pero también, it had other side actors. It had Omar Chaparro in it, another great Mexican comedian mm -hmm. um, that was in it. And I guess what brought me more nostalgia was seeing Edgar Vivar. Mm -hmm. He was playing one of the doctors. I grew up watching El Chavo del Ocho. El Chavo yes. del Ocho is an iconic program and an iconic show that I still watch every now and then. I put on an episode every now and then just for nostalgic purposes. You know, I would watch it every Saturday morning. And I now I have my girls watch it. So just to see him in there too was very nostalgic to me. I had a good time with it. I, I very much had a lot of fun with it. But yes, I was I was very much surprised when I saw a lot of the criticism going against that. And yeah, that's when I realized, you know what? Yes, we need to diversify mm -hmm. from criticism. If you're coming into a movie, and this, of course, I'm not saying yes, only Latinos should be reviewing this movie. No, absolutely not. But you should take at least the time to consider our perspective because we are coming with it with a different perspective. We are coming mm -hmm. at it, like you said, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the name of the podcast with a different lens. We're coming at this very much differently. Yes. I mean, this whole time, I mean, it, it can be reversed también. I'm not saying it can't. I've been watching all these white-led directed movies through my own lens. And I get that part too. Pero, yes, Overboard, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was hilarious. And it was even emotional. I was crying towards the end, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, the movie. And, yeah, that, that moment I realized, okay, they, this is why we need more different types of critics yes. in, in, in Rotten Tomatoes. And I think when, when I come to realize that, I'm like, all right, I need to go to Rotten Tomatoes, check the requirements work on that mm -hmm. uh, because I think you need to be active for a certain amount of years you need to have a certain number of reviews be a certain length and so on and so forth and that's when I decided okay if I'm going to take this serious and I want to be taken serious I need to step up my game and do mm -hmm. what I got to do hopefully meet up with those requirements I think I applied to Rotten Tomatoes two or three times I got rejected twice La Tercera fue la Vencida that's when they mm -hmm. took me in but it was a struggle. But it's just movies like that where you come to realize, oh, okay, I'm having a blast with this. Not mm -hmm. everybody is, but not everybody grew up watching El Chavo del Ocho like I did. Mm -hmm. or not everybody grew up watching Eugenio Derbez like I have. So you don't have um, that knowledge about. And, 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 and the same goes with um, like international films. I've come to realize mm -hmm. también as of late, particularly following the Oscars and the, the, the Academy Awards, that internationally speaking, a lot of Latin American films, they're looked down upon by the yes. Academy. They're, they're very much looked down upon porque, I guess, they're Latin American. Y los miran como, I don't know, they're like, uh, it's, and it's so infuriating to see that, to see how they're automatically downgraded just because they're from mm -hmm. a Latin American country. But I'll say a movie from France or from Germany or from a Europe country porque, oh my God, no, the best. As of late, though, I, I've seen that the Asian countries are getting a little bit more elevated. They're getting yes. a bit more attention and the respect exactly. that they do deserve. But to be honest, I think if it weren't for the quote-unquote three amigos, I think yes. a lot of these Latin American films wouldn't be given the respect that, that, they're, that they're giving at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it, a lot has to do with who's running the country, the country, Hoyla, the industry, <laughs> um, <laughs> who's, who's running Hollywood and, and who are the people in charge of making these decisions. Yeah. Porque at the end of the day, as I've learned about film, film history and Hollywood, 
sadly, Hollywood and the film industry, it's the marriage between art and business. And money speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. So if you do not have the money to promote your movie, if you do not have the money to have known actors in it, Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as successful or as it won't be as appealing as European mm-hmm. movies. But yeah, I mean, it's I try my best to not only go out there and talk about movies that don't necessarily. I mean, the movie I can think about as of late is Vivo. <laughs> Vivo, the, the animated film in Netflix. No marketing at all whatsoever, no, except yeah. from Sony, who's on social media, pobrecitos. Because they sold the movie over to Netflix. And yeah, they're the ones that are doing more promotion than Netflix itself. And, exactly. and I've been trying to to highlight the movie uh, along with Josie from Film Posters. Yes. And we're just trying to bring as much light to it because it, it deserves to be seen. The Academy will probably won't even consider it because I don't even know if they've seen it. But all, yeah, it's unfortunate. A lot, a lot of these films don't necessarily get the push that they so much deserve and mm-hmm. I think having more film critics and not not only me being on Twitter amplifying these movies but también amplifying different voices yes like I mean one of the big critics that I follow is Carlos Aguilar who's oh, a, a yes. Mexican critic yeah he everything he posts I automatically retweet I don't care <laughs> but his perspective is certainly a very rare one particularly when he has access to outlets like the New York Times and, and, and the LA Times and what I love about what he, his work is that he goes outside from the bigger blockbustery movies he goes out and talks about the animated films he does a lot of international movies and that's certainly well something I aspire to be I don't want to be like him because I want to be myself but he certainly motivates me to just amplify my movie knowledge and Mm -hmm. just think outside of Hollywood because there's a lot of movies outside of Hollywood that a lot of people don't know about but oh yeah bringing it back I go off tangent a lot I'm very sorry no and I love this because we're going into (laughs) topics that you're so right we're we're going back to the topic of saying when you started Latinx Lens you Kat and you were like damn this might be a short part but you realize no Latin American is so rich in cinema and film like it's so much and like just because again I think like you said Hollywood downplays the Mm -hmm. talent that comes from Latin America we unfortunately believe into that bias and you know I'm happy that you push those chains away you're like no we can go deeper and see how much movies and talent in in front of the camera and behind the camera are yes and that's certainly we want to like amplify more and we also want to we don't want to shy away from having those Mm -hmm. conversations of the Rita Haywards uh, who was able to uh, be successful because she had to erase her Latinidad she literally had to go blonde and she had to change her name something kind of similar happened with an Oscar Isaac you probably wouldn't go to a film starring Oscar Hernandez but you would go to an Oscar Isaac movie and although he he is more proud of his Latinidad because I guess times are changing but having to look into those conversations and representation, all that good stuff, it, I'm pretty sure soon we're going to be having an episode just focused on representation and, and our thoughts on it. 
Mm-hmm. Porque it's been a very, a topic of conversation that's been in the making. We've been having, well, when I say we, I mean like a few people, the conversation of who gets to play what type of role. Yeah. And that within itself can lead to a three hour mm-hmm. conversation, even five or six hours of talking of who can do this and who can do that. But at the same time, as actors and directors, I'm one of the very few people who very much support uh, what the three amigos are doing. Oh, I don't wow. think they should be limited to just direct Latino films. I think they should be able to go out there and, and direct the gravity, direct the burden, mm-hmm. direct a oh, pencil amber into Spanish, yeah, más o menos. And, and direct the shape of water or something mm-hmm. like that without having to be limited. Exactly. Uh, so I, though I understand some of the criticisms, I do think that I should not just be boxed into to review Latino films. I mm-hmm. want to go outside and and review animated films and review mm-hmm. period pieces. And I'm a big fan of history, period pieces, and historian movies. And I mean, I watch The Crown. I rarely watch TV, but The Crown is one of the shows that I'm <laughs> still watching. But it's just things like that. We we shouldn't have to be limited to what we should watch, what should we review. And most definitely, as a filmmaker, I don't think anybody should be limited as to what type of films they get to create and direct I agree. yeah and which is why i had no issue with, with having a david ayer directing a tax collector and because that, that was a, a criticism why is a white man directing a movie like this mm-hmm. i mean well first of all he's lived in, in, <laughs> um, yeah. in the hood so yeah. so he does know a little bit about it and i didn't have any issues with john m shu directing in the heights mm-hmm. same thing the same way I don't have an issue having a Carlos Lopez Estrada directing Raya and the Last Dragon yes. for the same reason. Because w- w- when you do something, yes, if you do it with the intent of doing it with authenticity and respect, yes. um, I think that has a lot of value. But exactly. I think everything does have a certain limit. But I, I hate making comparisons because I don't want to go back to the studio system and having a Marlon Brando portraying Emiliano Zapata or Natalie Wood portraying a Puerto Rican because those were different times but things like that is what would probably infuriate me right now but other than that yeah just these conversations of representation they're so complex yeah yeah, they can go on forever there's many times I'm just found in the middle I'm found mm-hmm. like not picking a side porque I understand a lot of people saying they should have hired a disabled person to do this or they, they should have hired a gay person to portray this role I'm like okay you're gonna be okay with this gay person portraying a heterosexual role or are they only limited to playing those roles mm-hmm. the, the homosexual ones and that's when the conversations can get more complex and everything and I'm like well at the end of the day, what's the job of an actor? Yes. <laughs> if it's not to place somebody, they're not. And again, it's, it can go many ways. But in, in a lot of these conversations, I just tend to land in the middle um, when, when it comes to, to things like that. Because I understand both ends of, of the arguments. And it can be quite, quite lengthy when we talk about that. Yes. And I, re- you, okay, you opened a Pandora box because (laughs) I I love movies and you mentioned my husband Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada which you know in total fandom every time I mention Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada I say his full name (laughs) because I love his full name it's such a beautiful name and it's 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 such heart it's so it's heartbreaking that it's just Oscar Isaac and but like you're right you know in terms of 
Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada, depending on his character that he plays. Right. We might see little of this generation. We might not see Natalie, the Natalie Woods playing Puerto Ricans. Right. But we do see Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. If he's playing a white character, they, his makeup is super pale. They try to make him white. If he's playing a Mexican Latino character, like in Drive, he is darker to the point that when he read the script on like for Drive, he basically rewrote his character and told like Nicholas, um, like, hey, this is like a bad light on my character. On like, you know, Latinos, like we have to, we got to make him more nuanced. We got to make him more like a relatable, like a human being to the point of, you know, how Nicholas, director of Drive, didn't cast a Mexican or Latina actress for Urbane because he thought, you know, Mexican women weren't as vulnerable to be saved. And for him, in his eyes, it was white women that needed to be saved, who needed to be in that vulnerable state. And again, going back to that, you know, stereotype that maybe Mexican women aren't strong. We are, we are. But, you know, we sometimes hey, want to be saved by Ryan Gosling. Is that too much to ask, you know? But, you know, you mentioned a lot of, like, for example, Los Tres Amigos, anyone who may not know, Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso Cuaron, and Alejandro González Iñárritu, amazing directors who every time they win an Oscar, I am just like, I cry of happiness. I'm like, yes. And it's so true because what you said right now of their, I'm happy that they're able to do the movies they're doing now, like The Shape of Water beautiful harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban like they why are we again going back to like they only should you know do latino films with latino actors like no they should do more stories you know the los tres amigos are a perfect example that with every story every movie that they do they come with the respect and the love of cinema they're allowed to showcase any stories of anyone because of, they deserve it they worked hard for it yes the beginning of their careers they're both Mexicans so they they did showcase and it was about Mexicans and it was about their upbringing but if you're really paying attention to their movies there's things of their family of how they you know grew up and there's still their identity their Mexican identity is still tied to their movies even if it's in space and there's only white actors on it if you're really knowledgeable and you really take the time again to research you know you see you spot those things Mm -hmm. and it reminds me Rosa of a TikTok that I saw it and I was like horrible they were like calling them out because like they should only why are you know they're only hiring white actors for their movies and like oh have you have you seen their movies like yes they hire white actors but it's not only white actors that they hire and like you said Hollywood is a system where it's money and talent and art and if you don't have the money if you don't have a top talented actor to back up that film where's the promotion right where where are you going to take this movie so people can see it mm-hmm. you know Alfonso Cuaron fought for Netflix to really give them the money to promote it and really take it to the Oscars. Yeah. And it was his history. Yeah. And putting that work, right? And it's just like, again, you're shedding light. Like, no todos, eh, Rosa, like this industry is hard. And you're, oh. you're putting that perspective and that realness and that truth. It, this is how it is. But it's also 
you cannot like what we've been saying in this conversation you you can't box yourself and you can't allow other people to box themselves into one story and you're doing that with Latinx sense <laughs> yes oh, thank you yes and it, it's very difficult to be coming out and speaking out like in, in their defense because I understand I understand the rage and I understand mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier at the beginning of this episode there's a hunger for representation mm -hmm. and I get it I understand yes they're Oscar winners they're directors they should I understand why I understand why they're they're doing what they're doing but white people would have these type of arguments and, and criticism towards them I don't agree with it because I do have a better understanding of how Hollywood works they have come to a level of prestige where they do get to select who gets to be in their movies rightfully mm -hmm. so Yeah. But yet again, you do have an Alfonso Cuaron doing a Roma. You do have, I think, Alejandro González Iñárritu just wrapped up his latest film, which takes place in Mexico City, um, in La Ciudad de México. So you do have them doing films like these. But, I mean, if you want to watch a film, their directorial debuts, I'm on, come on, Cronos. Yeah. It's one of the yes. best. <laughs> it's Amazing. my favorite Guillermo del Toro film, to be honest with you. I'm a, come on, Amores Perros, out of all the movies. Amores y tu mamá también. <laughs> like, I was like, come on. <laughs> well, they, they have done movies, and I understand this was at the. Although, comes after Great Expectations, mm -hmm. which was starring Ethan Hawker or something and like that. Paltrow. Yeah. And um, I think The Little Princess also. And mm -hmm. he does. So he goes back to Mexico, does And which is then followed by Harry Potter, which I mm -hmm. still am trying to wrap my head around how the fuck they go from Itumamatame to Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> It's just insane. It's like one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. But I understand the criticism. I do not agree with it. I do think everybody should be free and have that freedom, that creative freedom to do and tell whatever stories they wish to tell. Yes. And you do have other people out there doing the representation aspect. Yes. Support that. I mean, Robert exactly. Rodriguez has done a lot. Yeah. And that I do have to give him props for. Um, not only in front of the camera, but behind in mm -hmm. terms of the, his crew tends to be mainly Latino. And which is why, unfortunately, he isn't very much uh, popular in Hollywood in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, of the elites and all that good stuff, because he tends to be a rebel. He tends mm -hmm. to, to want his own creative freedom. And rightfully so. Good for him. But in terms of representation, I do admit he's probably done more for, for Latinos than yes. the three of me yes. have done collectively. That I admit. Because <laughs> it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And so go support his film. Go, go, go watch the movies that he's done. He's done a lot. I mean, Spy Kids will forever be a, a, one of my favorite films. Fine. And I be, it, it was so funny because when Spy Kids came out, I was a little bit older. It was like, I was... I mean, I was, I'm still like 10 or 11 when it came out and I was just fascinated by the movie. And then not long ago, he came out with We Can Be Heroes and my younger daughter. <laughs> oh my God, another one, another Latino. 
you know what okay i'll tell you later okay um, <laughs> all, all these streams i have with oscar isaac and pedro pascal and and gal garcia bernal and diego oh my luna god. my god yes we, we should just do a podcast just on them for... we yes we should we should, we should. I, I, i'm open so to down. it i'm open, you know i'm open to it <laughs> i'm so down with that and and also as of late i've been having these i've been developing a very big crush on salma hayek so oh, yeah. certainly okay. i i'm that, that all came out because of the eternals trailer that came out i was like salma you look so good right. oh and she's the leader i'm like yes a latina leader uh, i'm telling you as of late these movies that are coming out it's very much changing the perspective of how latinos are being represented mm-hmm. and then in how we're being utilized and in, in, in movies and so on like salma hayek is one of them you have people now who are in star wars with pedro pascal in the mandalorian and and you have diego, um, luna. diego luna also yes so it, it's slowly but surely changing but I lost my train of thought. Where was it? Where was I going with this? Uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my God, you're paying attention. <laughs> of course. I'm not even paying attention to what I'm saying. Yes. And, and I remember tweeting when, when that movie came out and I knew he wasn't going to answer because he's a very busy guy, but I thanked him because I, I told him, you made me believe I can be a spy. Now you're making my daughters believe they can be heroes. And yeah, that was just powerful. Mm-hmm. Presentation, Robert Rodriguez is certainly one of the pioneers, particularly for U.S. Latinos. Yeah. Because I think that's another difference that, that should be pointed out. There is a difference between movies showcasing yes. experiences, whether they're in Mexico, like a movie like Tu Mama Tambien. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be able to relate to that, <laughs> unlike a Spy Kids or, or, or something like that. It's a U.S. Latino story, mm-hmm. which are completely different stories, completely different experiences and something that's worth highlighting. But unfortunately, Hollywood has just been lazy or not lazy. They just don't care mm-hmm. to differentiate that and, and to take the time to showcase the Latinos. We're not a monolith. Yes, in the United States, 60% of the the Latinos in the U.S. are either Mexican-American or from Mexican descent or Mm -hmm. Mexicans. And then the rest, 40%, it's either Caribbean, Central America, uh, South American. And there's a difference. (laughs) Mexicans are not the same as Central Americans, even within Central Americans. Salvadoreños, Guatemaltecos, Hondureños, Panameños, we're all very different. And unfortunately, Hollywood hasn't really done anything <laughs> um to showcase that of course not. why would and even with us you know rosa you, you we're both first gen but you know we both have different perspectives we both have different upbringings it's just even in our own culture it's just so different and unfortunately like you said hollywood is of course not taking the time to you know showcase those differences and but it's powerful how when the story is universal and it's good and through a movie you connect with it because i remember watching parasite and i was like "Ooh, this the social class the classism is so alike like in mexico i myself lived you know eight years in mexico city so i was just like this is like i can't like i get i get it i i get where everything is going because i've seen this and i connect with it I've seen this, I've lived through this. And that's a powerful story. That's a, pow- a powerful movie. Like, I imagine you and I have connected with white stories because that's what we've seen. And we've seen, real, you know, things. And I feel like as of now, and it's starting to change, a lot of you can connect with a story that isn't necessarily 
doesn't like the character doesn't look like you but you can connect with it because that's the power of a movie and you connect with topics and these themes that they're showcasing and I really hope that you know it may take some years it may take decades we might not be alive for the change that we want to see but right now you Kat and Latinx Lens are doing that and I'm really interested Rosa what are the next steps for Latinx Lens because I know you both have mentioned it from the first episode. You're not only providing film criticism for Latinx representation, we're also reviewing films like The Green Knight, one of my favorite films of the year. Um, you know, you're also giving your perspective on these films. What, what are the next steps? You know, you, you talked about shedding that biases and also celebrating the wins of, hey, people are hungry for this and they're listening and they're paying attention. So what are the next steps and celebrations that you want to share with us? Yes, great question. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked The Green Knight. I, I liked it. I just didn't love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Catherine did. So you and Kat won on that one. There's so much. There's so much we want to do. We're going to be launching a Patreon in September. We're planning to la- launch a Patreon because we do want to build that community. We do want to have that communication with our community, pero también hoping to use that money for fees for film festivals, pero también for doing a podcast is not cheap. And we want to amplify amplify voices so hopefully asking like special guests to come on the podcast or and when we do have that we are aware people's time is valuable mm-hmm. and if we do end up starting to do that we want to give some form of compensation um, to some sense we we know that people do not feed or do not fill their bellies out of gratitude so it's just so many plans we have going ahead and again we we just recently got quoted for in the heights that was our first ever full quote for latinx lens Mm -hmm. and then i think that little cherry on top is it's being the fact that we're going to be on the physical media on the 4k uh, physical media so our quote's going to be there and yeah, we just want to grow. We, in terms of course of, of listenership, uh, listenership and everything. Pero eh, también en, we're also talking about possibilities of doing a little bit more episodes, uh, but at the same time being realistic about it because we're both busy. Mm-hmm. We both have full time jobs. We both doing this on the side per se. So trying to test what it's actually doable for us, and yeah, we've been toying around with the idea of. Uh, possibly doing uh, possibly it's not a certain thing uh, doing like a youtube thingy and like giving quick reactions whenever we can't sit down and do a mm-hmm. podcast episode uh, maybe a two three minute quick reactions either on movie reviews or, or things like that and yeah it's just amplifying more latino voices and particularly latinas like, like, like yeah. it's something similar to to what you're doing because we yeah we're very much underrepresented out there uh, in front of the camera behind the camera and film mm-hmm. criticism but también, as of late we've also been trying to focus when we talk about movies i mean the perfect example i can think about is the suicide squad mm-hmm. and how we we did take the time to have that conversation because you do have in the movie this um, fictional uh, yes. Latin American country yes. and movie and we wanted to give our two cents on it uh, our thoughts and mm-hmm. how because if you listen to any other podcasts or youtubers or re- uh, read any reviews you're not going to see the perspective you're they're going to be they're not even going to acknowledge it exactly. and mm-hmm. they didn't, didn't. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. nobody did 
So we, so it's little things like that that we want to pay a little bit more attention to because it's what mm-hmm. in, it's important for us in terms of representation and how we're being depicted in, in, in film. So I was actually very proud of that of that episode because it wasn't planned. It was more of a last minute thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting there and we were talking about the movie, and then I just all of a sudden popped a question and I said. I asked Catherine what were her thoughts of the depiction of, um, I think it was Corto Maltese or something like that, and how they literally utilize like Brazilians and Argentinians and Mexicans mm-hmm. to be this fictional Latin American country. And, and of course, in the movie, they're the villains. And mm-hmm. what were our thoughts on it and why or, or whatever. I won't spoil anything. <laughs> and yeah, so, so having conversations like that, uh, that do highlight the, the Latino perspective or paying a little bit more attention to Latino actors mm-hmm. and talking about movies that a lot of people don't necessarily know about. We also have this thing we're still trying to do where we have like up and coming Latino uh, directors send us their film and we just review it. We just recently reviewed Sound of the Wind, which was a movie we were both delighted <laughs> to watch. And it, it, these are from directors and filmmakers that don't uh, don't have distribution yet for these movies yeah. that don't, they're still trying to get into film festivals and so on and so forth. So we can help in any way to at least have some people hear our thoughts on these movies. It's, that's one of the main goals, one of our goals to amplify voices, not only the bigger names like the Three mm-hmm. Amigos and such or anything like that, but the up-and-comers like uh, Johnny Sabravo, who just recently did Zola and we just did our episode on her, a U.S. Latina, she's from Panama. And also the ones that are currently working right now that don't have the access to the Hollywoods mm-hmm. or the the networks to, to the bigger studios, but they're still working <laughs> nonetheless mm-hmm. with much, uh, far smaller budgets but they're still working out there. So giving them also the, a little bit of a flat for, for further content, porque I know it's hard. It, it's not easy. And yeah. if, if I can do a little bit with either giving my review on Rotten Tomatoes, if their film is there, then I'm, I'm going to do, we're going to try to do our best yes. to amplify voices, not only ourselves, up and coming mm-hmm. directors as well. So, yeah. I love it. And Rosa, you know, in this conversation throughout, you've been saying, you know, wonderful ways to really grow and navigate this industry. But I want to ask you a direct question of for our Latina listeners who are hungry to be part of this industry or are in this industry already. And they're just like, you know, navigating and want to go, they want to push themselves even more. Mm -hmm. What can you say to them to continue paving their path in the film criticism? Just never give up. Be, be determined huh? don't give up because there, there was a lot of rejections working here and and I have a long way to go also don't don't mm-hmm. think that I'm up there and, and making it and and being like oh oh my god I'm an influencer no tampoco it, it takes a lot a lot of hard work uh, to do this as long as you're aware <laughs> that unfortunately you're trying to budge into an industry that is built to not necessarily benefit us and it's going to be <laughs> very difficult to say but to be honest mm-hmm. in realidad, we are gonna you are gonna have to work three times harder to get where you want to get as a film critic I'm doing this on the side so I'm very lucky that I do have a primary source of income I'm able to afford to do all of this if you're trying to do this as a career I do not have a lot of advice towards anything like that 
But doing it as a side gig, it's hard. All I can say is never give up and know that there's people out there that who are willing to support you, who are willing to uh, provide that hand and information and guide you to things like this, particularly in criticism to up and coming Latinas out there who do want to get into criticism. I mean, to be quite frank with you, I wouldn't mind if you guys like want to send me a message or send us an email and all that and mix lens and we can find a way to either help either by giving advice or anything like that. Porque it's hard. There's a lot of people out there that are very, very territorial, Mm -hmm. very, very conservative when it comes to what information they give out and on and so forth. But very much like any career, I think mm-hmm. this is very much about networking. Networking is very important here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot be shy in terms of, oh, yeah, well, I don't want to uh, disrupt this person or I don't want to waste their time. Because if you don't ask, you're never going to learn. You're never going to know. Don't be shy to asking questions. There's no such thing as dumb questions. In fact, I think it's dumb if you don't ask any questions and you just assume something and just blindly go into it. So to anybody who wants to be a critic, just go for it. Don't let anybody determine your capabilities just based on your complexions or, or based on your surname or based on where you come from. Your perspective, your lens, your experience is certainly valid not going to be easy that's i'm going to be completely honest Mm -hmm. but it's not impossible either you do have a lot of bigger people out there doing it working on it and we we have a long way to go but we're certainly on the right path so don't feel discouraged by (laughs) by the fact that it's going to be a bit more difficult for us in fact i use it as a motivator Mm -hmm. just continue going love it and thank you thank you for the invitation you heard it here Rosa is open for you to email yes. her and Kat yes. questions, advice. And that's what I guess it's about, about sharing this knowledge, not gatekeeping yeah. and pulling each other up and helping each other rise. Because if one is successful, everyone is successful and yeah. we have to share that knowledge. And Rosa, I want to end this beautiful, amazing conversation mm-hmm. by asking you, if you had the opportunity to travel back in time at whatever mm-hmm. age, knowing what you know now, lived what you lived through, what would you tell younger Rosa? Oh, what would I tell younger Rosa? Oh, I would tell her to not box herself in, to not let social norms or social double standards influence how she should make decisions. And literally, it sounds very cliche, but it's what actually allowed me to be here today being yourself if you love science and you love movies and you love reading or if you love 10 things at once express it wholeheartedly go out there and do it just don't let external factors persuade you not to do it or don't let any social norms or double standards particularly for women don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do it that you're you're only in this world for certain things you're not here for more you can be creative you can do more so yeah i would tell a younger rosa that just go for it. Whatever it is, whether it's applying for Rotten Tomatoes or going to community college and do that lab tech program, or I mean, just as of late, I've had the opportunity to meet so many people and go out there and express how you feel because I mean, you only live once. So, so why not live it with joy? And so, yeah, I would tell, tell my younger self not to let social norms to limit mm-hmm. what I'm capable of doing. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Rosa. And I love how not boxing yourself in and like opening that box has been present in this conversation, present in Latinx lens. And it's the journey of growth that you're doing through film criticism. And I love it and I admire it. And one of the many reasons why I'm a fan of you. And (laughs) for anyone who is listening and they're like, okay, I want to ask Rosa this. I want to ask Kat this. I want to just follow along the Latinx lens journey where can they follow you mm-hmm. where can they follow latinx lens and where can they email if they want to contact yes you. so yes thank you so much this this was thank you for for letting me talk <laughs> and go on my little tangents i love um, it this thank you I, I i do appreciate it yeah you can follow me on twitter instagram and letterbox at rosas reviews and you can also follow Latinx Lens on Twitter and Instagram at Latinx Lens. And you can also email that Latinx Lens podcast at latinxlens at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, you heard it there. Rosa gave you that invitation. And if you're in film criticism, if you just want your perspective out there and you're passionate about film like her and I, go like she said you know you have one life live it with joy and ask the no you already have it it's the yes that might happen so please take the invitation and run with it and i hope you felt empowered inspired by this conversation with rosa and i i know i did because i love films and i was just fangirling right now so i i just thank you for being here on episode 65 and talking i just you know combined my two loves and we got to mention Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada and Los Tres Amigos. Oh my gosh. Okay. Cherry on the top. best day ever. Cherry on top. <laughs> Thank you, Rosa. Seriously. Amazing. And I invite you to continue this conversation over at our website at as-media.com where you will see the blog on this episode, links everywhere, the contact info of Rosa and Latin Excellence. It will be there. And to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok as Aegis Media, two underscores, because now we've changed our name and we're more we're amplifying more Latina voices. And you can follow me at Instagram at Brent underscore J-A-I. And Rosa, amazing. Thank you again. I love this conversation. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for being so open with me and just being yourself and following your passions and not boxing yourself in. Gracias. No problem. Thank you for the invitation. I literally had a a great uh, time talking to you. And thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for letting me beat me and and just letting me blab everything I wanted (laughs) to blab. So no, thank you. This was, thank you for your kind words, for for everything you're doing. It's truly amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you in two weeks. Adios. Ellas is an Ellas Media production, created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shiro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Street. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, or follow him on Instagram. This is Ellas Media 